You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. I am Mike Luke, joined by the man that brought me into the radio industry. You can, um, you know what, if you want to, if you don't like me, you can blame this man. If you like me, you can give him credit as well. The great Rob Lance. Hello, Rob. Mike, it's awesome to be able to join you on this. It's been a long time coming, hasn't it, buddy? It has, man. And like I said, you're welcome on anyone. Our good friend John Schuster, uh, he's in uh, he's in Miami right now on the beach. So, you know, having a good time right there. So, but uh, um, let's get down to this game. Though. Sorry, Shu doesn't seem like a Miami type of guy. He really but, doesn't. You know, he doesn't okay. seem like the kind of guy that would be chilling on the beach at all. But, no. no. Well, all right, so Arizona played Cal- – Arizona – Arizona won, and we got a ton of comments coming in. And uh, Ricky Garrett, I think, kind of talked about it a little bit, like you and I were talking about. He said, "No moral victories. This was an ugly game. Defense was non-existent. Still jacking up a ton of threes, fouling uh, three-point shooters four times. Yuck!" And like Tina said, "Enjoy the win, please. We'll always enjoy the win because, again, you know, it's still a top ten team." But, you know, Rob, this was a, you know, this was a game where Arizona should have annihilated this team and they just did a lot of stuff that they shouldn't do. Like I said, fouling three-point shooters four different times. You just can't do that. You can't do that. And, Mike, you used a word on Twitter that was like actually how I was going to start the show off. The word that came to mind that you used also was lackluster. And Arizona shows that they have enough talent to go ahead and win these games when they don't play necessarily that well. But here we are, two games since they came back from Hawaii – you know, a nice 81 to 68 victory. The victory is always going to be good. Tina, you're exactly right. Let's celebrate the victory. But at the same time, we know that Arizona can play better. The thing that's starting to concern me a little bit over these next, these last two games, though, is we're starting to maybe see a little bit of a blueprint on how teams are going to attack or defend Arizona moving forward. And I'm sure that, Mike, that's something we can dive into. Mm-hmm. But, you know, any win in conference play is good. Uh, but it seemed like if you're in Tucson, this sort of matchup, this sort of uh, display kind of matches the weather that we've had the last two days. Kind of gloomy and down and dark. Yeah. And it, not you great. know what's funny, too? When you're Arizona, you have, and this kind of goes to everybody's point, when you're Arizona, you have higher expectations. Just we're not ASU. You know, it's one of those things, you know, it's not if you're ASU, you're cool winning any game with Arizona style points kind of matter to a certain degree. And, you know, again, this was kind of an ugly game because Cal's Cal's record speaks for itself right here yeah i mean there there should have been no doubt i mean there kind of was no doubt in this one arizona kind of kept cal at arm's length about 10 which is a great point yeah absolutely but it's one of those things that i want to see that killer instinct and i don't know as good as arizona's played at times this year i don't know if we've actually seen that killer instinct either going even back to hawaii mike there's been times that they've let teams kind of hang around or make runs in the second half to get back into games, they haven't done a great job of just kind of putting their foot on the throat of some of these opponents and really kind of just choking them out, ending games when they have the chance. They had a couple chances to do that today and didn't, you know, let it, what Askew kept Cal in the game Mm -hmm. on a number of different occasions, uh, 25 points for him. But it just seems that Arizona on a number of different occasions this whole season, including today, hasn't really just like put games away and, and, you know, like you said, style points matter when it comes to Arizona. They should have enough talent on this team to be able to do that, especially offensively. You shouldn't let teams back into games when you're as good offensively as Arizona has the capable of being. All right. Now let's talk about one thing, though, that this team has going for them. And Rob roasts me as well. Rob's allowed to roast me on this. The four peaks, mainly the two peaks right here. I know four peaks. Uh, we'll but... go three. Vasar is playing pretty well, but we'll <laughs> yeah. go with three. But I, I will say... This is something, though, this is definitely a bright spot, game in and game out, that we're at this point now where 
with uh with Julius Tabellis and Umar Ballo, you can essentially count on both these guys to be getting you about 30 and 35 and 17 game in and game out. And that really is reassuring when you have games like this where you don't play well, you know, as a team. These guys are kind of the ones that can kind of bring you into that next level when you're struggling. Yeah. And that's something that Arizona can hang their hat on. Uh, anytime you have guys that can actually, like, you know, get you buckets when you really need it or you have some way that if you're struggling offensively you know you're going to get at least a pretty good look they have that going for them mike but i'm interested what are your i feel like teams may start to approach arizona and we saw this against utah where those guys had theirs but it was the rest of the guys on the on the roster that didn't necessarily step up and and here we go what another poor three-point shooting does arizona have any business taking 23 point shots in a game i i don't think so yeah. with with as good as they are internal like in on the interior they, mm-hmm. they should be in 23 pointers right no and yeah i would agree with that as well especially when you've got a team like cal that didn't have any capability of stopping those guys and what's amazing too is like a lot of times i'll watch the first half and then i you know i jet back over here i know you remember those days um oh yeah but <laughs> but you know with uh with we watch umar ballo up close this is maybe the largest man that I have ever seen in an Arizona uniform. There's times when I'm watching this game, especially even today against Cal, where it's like, just feed him the ball every game. I mean, you know, he's got the little left hand. He can finish every single game. He's got that ability, but you know, like Anthony Humbert uh, put right here, he said, he said, they're kind of a streak, uh, kind of a streaky shooting team. It's not a good shooting team. It's kind of a streaky shooting team. And, you know, that's something that I think we've seen kind of throughout the season. And again, this all needs to be prefaced by this is one of the best teams in the country, no doubt about it. But we hold Arizona to a higher expectation around here. We sure do. And I think that it's because of how well we saw them play in Hawaii, Mike. And then mm-hmm. the first two games back here. Not necessarily great. I mean, the first one in Utah, first real road test for a team that hasn't been together all that long. Right. You know, they didn't shoot the ball well. I'm not trying to make excuses here, but we're still dealing with young kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, though, back home, I felt like, okay, you're back home, back in comfortable surroundings. Maybe something will go a little bit better. And they still didn't necessarily play great uh, going forward. But to your point with Ballo, I think that one of the things you're seeing with him, and, and you're right, I don't think that there's many people in the country that can match up with him from a size standpoint and it isn't just the size that he's showing this year you and i have talked privately about how much they've improved he's improved Mm -hmm. Um, player development under tommy lloyd seems to be something that's going to be a strength moving forward but it's the patience that he shows in the block it's the footwork that he shows down there too it's the soft hands as well right hand left hand um being able to drop step even kind of going over his left shoulder with a with a hook shot too He's got all those moves, and this is something I did not expect to see this early in essentially what is his second season. Right, for sure. And, you know, you watch him, and again, there's going to be a lot of development here that's going on. And let's talk a little bit about a guy on the perimeter that I'm already wrong on. So, again, anytime I critique uh, Pella Larson, take it with a grain of salt because I have been wrong on my bad Pella hashtag movement out there. Um, But have you been wrong on him this year? He, he struggled, my man. I mean, there's – and you you watch him, and if you didn't really know anything about any of the guys, and you just watch Cedric Henderson, and you watch Pella Larson, at least this year, Henderson is just kind of – he's got a little bit more of an oomph factor to it that Pella hasn't shown so far this year, and hopefully he can get to that point. He just hasn't really she- – uh, you haven't really seen it so far. What have you seen from Pella maybe that's different from, from last year, Mike? What is What do you, what do you think is standing out that – 
he's doing differently or are people approaching him differently? What is it differently this year than what Larson had? Because last year we were really surprised by how well Larson was contributing this year. He, he's the one guy that hasn't made like that leap as far as like those expectations. How much of it do you think? And I'm going to throw that question right back at you. How much of that do you think that not having a Ben Mather in there, who is the first, second, and third defensive priority, or having a Dalen Terry, who granted wasn't a great scorer per se, but he was a pretty good facilitator. Those are two guys, as happy as we are with some of the players you brought in the transfer portal, those are difficult guys to be able to recreate right there. I think so. I think that's a good point, because maybe you're looking at Larson, well, with Ramey coming into the rotation, maybe you're looking at Larson as like the fourth option right. scoring. Um, maybe those first couple games you're looking at him maybe as like a third option but yeah i think that you're you know some of the commenters are saying it's just a bigger role for him which maybe is too much to ask uh right now i don't know i felt like he looked like he was a step slow at times early in the season not sure if he was fully healthy uh at all or not but i don't see that we're seeing at least the shooter that we know he's capable of being uh as well um, going for, I still think we see some pretty good effort on the defensive end. No I love that he, I love that he got to the line six times tonight mm-hmm. too, and was six for six. So he's still doing some of those other small things, but he's not that spark offensively that I think that we're seeing. And I think it may be because it's a bigger role. Maybe he is higher up the scouting report here too, or it could be something as simple as he's just in the shooting slump. You know what's a little bit like? Let's you and I used to always when we uh when we worked together at the radio, um, we would talk about Alex Smith. We would call him Captain Checkdown. Alex Smith, Alex Smith, big picture was a good starting quarterback in the NFL. He won games. He wasn't great, but there was you could win games with Alex Smith. But if you needed him to be the guy that opened it up and got you you know, needed you to throw the ball 40 times a game, that really wasn't his role. He needed to be more he needed to be more effective in kind of that spot role right there. And that's something that maybe Pell, maybe Pell is that guy. I mean, he's a very useful player, but if you need him to be that 13, 14 point per game guy, he's probably not that. Probably not going to be that guy. So are we looking maybe at some sort of role change? Because tonight Henderson had 11 off the mm-hmm. bench. I always like having a guy come off the bench that can give you a spark, give you energy on both sides of the floor, also offers you uh, some some flexibility with your roster too. Uh, so are we possibly here, Mike, looking at it or talking about some sort of, you know, bringing Larson back off the bench like he was last year? Maybe he's more comfortable in that role and getting Henderson into the starting lineup. I, I don't I don't necessarily know what we could maybe be looking at here with with Larson. Heading forward. And that's where I think I have full faith in Tommy Lloyd right here. The one thing that he's really shown is you, you mentioned roster development. He's also shown that he knows how to mix and match. And the thing that's, you know, very loot esque about him is that he's not opposed to changing his strategy. He's not opposed to mixing things up when he needs to mix things up. And I think you're going to see some of that. But first, let me tell you about Four Peaks. Many people think that the Four Peaks was originally the four U of A big men. They would be wrong about that. Four Peaks originally is based out of Tempe. It's the official brew of PHNX Sports. You can also check it out at the Tap and Bottle Watch Parties as well. You can go to Tempe and you can root against uh, ASU if you want and have some Four Peaks while you're at it. Also, more furniture. Say to yourself, you know, Rob just moved into a nice new house. Rob just moved into a new house. Brand new house, but I have way too much furniture, but I could use some new furniture, really. But you know what? If Rob really wanted to take that next step, which I'm sure he would at some point, (laughs) 
<laughs> Anthony Humbert says nobody thinks that about the Four Peaks. Yes, <laughs> but if you uh, but you know, if somebody wanted to really kind of upscale it, go to More Furniture, morfurniture.com. They can get you taken care of with the best deals and some of the best uh, interior design um, uh, going. All right, now this is funny. At least they're not peaking in December right now. All right, that's that's I good. I see right what you did there. Um. Now, I think one thing, though, that that has when I have watched this team that I think is starting to stick out a little bit. Last year's team was very, at least in positions, was athletic. Ben Matherin, top shelf athlete. Dalen Terry, top shelf athlete. Christian Coloco at seven foot was a top shelf athlete. When you have a guy, when you have more athleticism out there, it gives you a little bit more of a room for error. Whereas, you know, this team is very good, but when they're out hitting their shots, it can get kind of ugly at times. Whereas last year you had a guy in Matherin who could get to the rim, who could slow games down. You had a Coloco that could, you know, if the game got slow, he could block shots. You don't necessarily have that per se this year. That's something that's a bit of a worry. I think when you come up against, there's more scouting report for Arizona, possibly maybe we're seeing this against Indiana or Tennessee coming up, Mike, we can dive into those matchups mm -hmm. a little bit later yeah, on too, sure. but yeah, just having those sorts of, go-to players that can get you a, ba a bucket when you really need it or get you a really good look or sometimes even that hockey assist as right. well. That's the one thing that I think Arizona can do, though, is they can, still can share the ball really well. But when the shot clock is winding down or you're in a must-score sort of situation, who is that guy? Uh, Ramey probably right. is that guy, but I don't think he's on the same level as a guy like Matherin. Right. I mean, we're seeing the sort of athlete that Matherin is in the NBA. He's on the short list for rookie of the year right. already this year. So uh, I, I don't know who that guy is. And there seems to be, I think you're spot on. I think there's a lack of overall athleticism mm -hmm. uh, on this team that they're kind of going to probably have to X and O their way out of it in a couple of different occasions. But luckily Lloyd seems to be a mastermind on the offensive end of things. And that's where it's, you know, and you and I watched, uh, you and I watched up close for many, many years, um, a guy and, you know, Sean Miller did some very good things, but you never got the sense that he was going to adjust to what his roster was or tinker, you know, the way that loot, the way that loot did, let's just use that. For example, loot would come out and if his team wasn't playing good defense, he would go into some, you know, two, one, two zone where he would just have Salim running the baseline or whatever the case may be. Lloyd, Lloyd is certainly not averse to changing things up. And I think he's probably going to have to move some things because again, if they're not hitting their shots, they've got to find ways to be able to win games. And, you know, again, Arizona is a top 10 team in the country, but that's something they're going to have to figure out though. They do have to figure out. And it might be something as simple as that, like adjusting some sort of defensive philosophy, maybe not even an offensive philosophy, but trying to create easy buckets. If you're having trouble right. in the half court, uh, we saw that at least like tonight, just to even try and pick up the energy for Arizona Lloyd went to a man to man full court sort of thing, just to try and maybe speed Cal up, but not just speed Cal up. I think that it was, I think Mule brought, brought this up on the broadcast. What does he like, know? <laughs> Right, I know. And, and why would you have him on this show anyway, Mike? Come on. I know, I, I know. Every time no. I come on, I'm like, why is this guy coming on? Why is this guy? No, but he even had Arizona like brought up the point of like maybe they're trying to speed speed themselves up too, play mm -hmm. with a little bit more uh, intensity because that seemed to be lacking uh, today too, where they're playing hard, but they're not necessarily playing with emotion. And we saw, I think, when they're playing at their best in Hawaii, they were playing fast 
but they were also playing with a sense of urgency and some sort of like emotion where maybe you're looking at it, it's like, oh, Utah, we're going to roll over these guys, whatever. And you get your butt kicked. Or Cal, they're, you know, they haven't won a single game yet this year. It's harder to get up emotionally for these games yeah. than it is to, you know, when you're playing in the Maui, which of course is one of the hallmark preseason tournaments. But then you also have, you know, other top 25 teams against you. So it'll be interesting to see going forward here with Arizona having some top 25 teams here in the, on the schedule coming up, how they look moving forward. So maybe there's just like a two game malaise and hopefully they, they bounce out of it as they, they move forward here. One thing Lloyd has done to his credit and to many things of Tommy Lloyd's credit, but one thing that they've generally done outside of the NCAA tournament last year is when they played good teams, they've generally, uh, they've generally stepped their game up. You look last year, excuse me, whether it was in, the Pac-12 tournament, whether it was against uh, you know UCLA, whatever the case may be, they generally brought it, and they generally don't have a lot of bad games in a row. I would expect, I would expect Arizona to play pretty well next oh, next week against Indiana because first and foremost, this team's going to have his attention now after this because he can look at it and he can say, "Listen, guys, this is the worst team in the conference, and this was a seven or an eight point game in the second half. We can't get away with that going forward." I think that's exactly right. It's always good when you can have those hard coaching moments after wins. Uh, a lot of times coaches say you learn more from losing. Right. That might not necessarily always be true. Uh, but having these that kind of, you know, especially at home, if, if this had been on the road at Cal, maybe you're like, okay, could have been a little bit different if the, Great if the road team's hanging around for a little bit. But you're, you're coming back home as a top five team, at least in the rankings, probably going to fall, obviously, after the Utah loss. But, you know, it, it seemed like, Everybody was just a little bit blah. Yeah. Crowd included. It seemed like, you know, Lloyd on a couple of different occasions was trying to get the crowd into it as well. But Arizona never gave the crowd a chance to get in the game because they never went on like a big run. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that kind of speaks to a little bit of maybe their lack of enthusiasm or even effort at times on the defensive end, not necessarily the offensive end, but on the defensive end, which at the point of attack, for as much as I love a guy like Kirk Carissa, and he's the guy that's the the kind of – he is the straw that stirs the drink with this team. It seems like teams are going to continually attack him on the perimeter. And you saw that from Cal again tonight. You saw that from Utah the other night too. Yeah, and, and that's something that I think you're just going to have to deal with because the thing with Kerr is Kerr can do uh, – I'm, I'm – I stick up for Kerr a lot on this show because the one thing that I like about him is a lot of guys, and you've seen this a lot when you're you know covering sports, a lot of guys have false bravado and that they say, oh, I want the last shot or I want this. Kurt Kreisa is the guy that can go three of 14, but he wants that next shot in the last closing moments and he's made that last shot. So I give him a lot of, I give him a lot of credibility who, on that. What do you got? Who has more irrational confidence? Kerr Creasa or Joe Flacco? Oh, I knew you were going with that. Well, <laughs> all I'll say is this. One guy has a Super Bowl MVP and 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the playoffs, throwing to Tandon Doss. So we'll see. Well, I don't think that Tandon Doss caught any of those touchdowns. I think those were all pass interference those calls. Those were all lame yeah. pass interference <laughs> calls. Um, let's get to what Sean Seeley, I think, has a uh, – Sean Seeley's got an interesting question here. Thoughts on the rotation, looking like a seven or eight, man. I think you're right because you got the starting lineup right there, and then you've got, you know, whoever's going to be that starter. You got Cedric Henderson, you got Vasar, and you got Ball to a certain extent. You're not, I don't know that you're going to see a ton of Kylan Boswell, mainly because if Kirk Creasa isn't handling the ball, that's probably going to be Courtney Rainey's position right there. 
I think that's spot on. Um, I see some things already in Boswell that I really, really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to remember that he he is a kid. He's seventeen. Seventeen years. He's seventeen right. years old. Um, you give him a year, year and a half though with Tommy Lloyd, and I think that we're seeing possibly the next great Arizona point guard eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he he had all of the all the accolades coming out of high school. Uh, right. But I think that that's a spot on rotation with about those seven or eight. I think that because you have some flexibility uh, with Ramey being your secondary ball handler. Um, Henderson has shown that he can play anything from the two down to the four. He can guard anything from those two uh, ball offers you, you know, he, he's one of those guys. That he's not gonna, yeah. And he's, he's one of those guys, Mike, that I like as kind of your eighth man, but he's not going to take anything off the table. He might Great not point. bring a whole heck of a lot, but you can steal some minutes with him and it's not going to totally kill you. And you might get, you know, two or three made buckets from him as well. But I think he's good enough and athletic enough on the defensive end that you can buy some minutes with him on the offensive end though. He's definitely, he's, he's a, he's a plus. He's not going to mm-hmm. kill you on either end of the, either end of the floor. Right now it's our guy. Anthony Humbert right here is a big uh, Henry Vasar denier. I'm going to say this. Oh, he doesn't like Vasar. He doesn't like Vasar. I oh, I have really I have really come around on Vasar, and here's why I've really come around on him is first of all, you look how long he is out there. You put him out there, and he can all he can block shots by basically just standing there. And yes, the game's a little too fast for him, but he is the ultimate developmental guy, I think, for Tommy Lloyd. Where I look at him, and I imagine what he's going to be as a sophomore or a junior. And I think a lot of times people get caught up and they say, well, he so-and-so was rated this way or so-and-so that's not the kid's fault. The kid can still be a really good prospect and maybe he's not a top 20 or 25 player, but there's a lot to like from big Henry out there. There's a lot to like. And, and speaking of those star ratings, Mike, I think that especially under Miller, we got so wrapped up in like landing guys like Aaron Gordon or, you know, some of these top ranked recruits. Lloyd is not going to approach it that way. Right. Lloyd's Lloyd's going to recruit completely differently. Are we going to land some of those big time guys on occasion? Sure. But I'm looking at this as like, I really think he's going to be very good at identifying not only overseas players, but guys that fit his system. He's talked about this guys that fit his system, guys that want to share the basketball. So you can't get wrapped up in in star rating or what guys are when they first step on campus. Um, You could under Miller because I don't think it's any secret not a Miller fan on both a personally and professionally level uh, right. for me, but I think you can count the, on the, on one hand, the number of guys that improved by leaps and bounds uh, mm-hmm. in his tenure here from year to year. I think you're, you're seeing it with Lloyd though. If you're bringing in somebody like Vesar, I'm really interested to see what he is next year and the following year. Uh, I think that they've got a really, really good player on their hands that you can see that there's some skill level there, but like you said, the, the game's maybe just a little bit too fast. You know, Solomon Hill feels like a guy that would have developed under under oh Tommy Lloyd. That's the oh. kind of guy that I think you're going to see a lot of. Comes in, high four-star kid, not, not a one-and-done, not a two-and-done, nothing like that. But he slowly improves every single year, and he leaves as a first-round pick. And even though he doesn't play in the NBA, he's going to be on an NBA roster for 15 years, which is an awesome Solomon. gig, by the way. And Solomon got paid when the, yes. when the cap got bumped that one year. He got <laughs> he really paid did. by New Orleans. So <laughs> he really yeah. did. Yeah. So oh, I think but, that's great though. I think the player development. I think, but also on a completely selfish level, Mike. And this is something we've. I think you and I have talked about in the past too. Is that I miss growing up here with Lute Olson. 
and growing up in a different time when it wasn't one and done players, you start to get a feel for who these players actually are because they're right. here year after year after year. And I think we're going to see that under Lloyd too, where every once in a while, if he lands a guy like, uh, like Suggs, like he did up at Jalen mm-hmm. Suggs, like he did up in, uh, at Gonzaga. Awesome. Great. But on the flip side, you also have guys like Drew Timmy that have been at right. Gonzaga, I think for about 75 years, nine years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, but I think that we're going to see that with, you know, they're going to obviously have the transfer portal uh, coming in a little bit, but I think that they're going to have other guys that develop uh, over time where you're going to get to know these kids. I think there's going to be more of a sense of community with this team. And that's something that I missed under Miller, where I think that part of it was because the players weren't here very long, but also because of how Miller approached being in Tucson that you didn't actually get a feel for the community involvement and the community connection uh, that was a hallmark of Arizona basketball before. Rob, have I ever told you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Codeword PHNX? A couple times. Um, I'm fuzzy on the details. Tell me one more time. <laughs> Here's the deal. DraftKings Sportsbook app, Codeword PHNX. You can put down a $5 deposit on any NBA games, and if you win, you get up to $100 in free plays. That simple, that easy. Now, you might say to yourself, hmm, um, if I do get that 100 bucks, I'd like to bet on Arizona. In years past, you might want to take the under on the Arizona score. I'm here to tell you that you want to take the over on the Arizona score because even when they don't look great, they're going to give you 90 points per game. And that that's a point that I want to get to in just in a, in a second here. But again, check it out. 21 and up, Arizona only. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Um, check out show notes in the description and tap and bottle the tap and bottle watch parties. Uh, my, my guy, my boss, Rob Lance is going to be coming out here for a couple of these as well. Um, great times to uh, come down. Scott and Rebecca do a great job down there. Big screen TVs, watch, yell at the screen, everything. We got the schedule coming out here shortly. Again, uh, tap and bottle Four peaks will be down there as well. Not the U of a big man, not the U of a big man but four peaks actually itself. Um, this, it, it, it's funny when I was reading that spot right there, it just, it kind of dawned on me that, you know, it's, it, it also shows you how far this program's progressed that we're talking about getting not, you know, being disappointed. And it's like a games in the high eighties, the, you know, the low nineties. And, but that's also kind of just, that's just kind of what Tommy Lloyd's going to do. So even though they don't necessarily look great, you're still looking up at the box score and you're like, man, they still dropped 85. They still dropped 87. They still dropped whatever they did, which is, you know, what you're going to see under Tommy Lloyd. I think so. And I mean, we're disappointed with this 81 point effort. Today. Right. And they right. still shot. Think about almost, that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where, uh, again, it's not pack the paint, terrible Bennett, you know, Dick Bennett basketball that we're forced to watch anymore, which right. that was the no first thanks. time that I was like Miller would really were you, you look up to the Bennett's. <laughs> who looks Correct. up to the Bennett's when it comes to good basketball? Uh, anyway, shooting 49% from the field tonight, pretty good. Uh, 73% from the line, which if you take uh, if you take Bavo's numbers out of that, it's really good right. uh, from the line. So, um, yeah, it's funny that we're starting to become a little bit spoiled on the offensive end, and I'm totally for that. Uh, so, but you get a great effort from Tabellus. Mike, I, I know that you and she have talked about this, but he had one play in the first half where he sprinted down the floor. He gets to the block. The angles that he plays mm-hmm. with, the way that he uses yes. his body to seal off, this is stuff you don't, like, it takes years it's to learn. It's next level. Normal. 
it is so next level. It's like, right. I mean, it's it's not it's not um, Kevin McHale type low block stuff. I thought you almost said Kevin O'Neill. I'm like, Ooh. no. Oh well, if you want to talk <laughs> offense, we could talk just running in circles all over the place with Kevin O'Neill. Um, but yeah, Tabellus is just it, he he even when he, oh my gosh, he's just so good on that low block using both hands as well it's uh and he shields and, uh, and he's able to shield hit the ball even when he's going against more athletic guys he's able to use mm-hmm. the rim as a protector he's able to shield the ball in a way that a lot of times you generally don't see i mean he really is and shoot shoot to his credit has long been an admirer of gonzaga basketball and i've come around i didn't used to like gonzaga because i always thought well yes you're number one seed and you lose in the sweet 16 every year they've obviously broken through that two you know, two appearances in the finals in the last six years. But you watch them, though, and there is such an influence, though, with Gonzaga. And like Joshua uh, Monfort says, he said he could drive from the high post, too. He'd shown it. And I think that goes to your point, too, Rob, about how he's able to maneuver those angles. He is. And he shows, you know, gets the ball in the elbow, maybe a little jab step, a little pump fake of some sort. And, you know, guys are – Arizona, if they could – this is a key to this, though. He's able to make these drives – if Arizona can consistently make outside shots. Right. I, I think Great because point. teams might start to pack the paint uh, against them if Arizona shows that they can't shoot um, as well. So, you know, but you're still getting 25 and 17 from Tabellus and, and Ballo tonight. And there's not a lot of teams in the country that can match up with that at all. Is this, and Schuster and I were talking about this. I'm curious to your take. Um, when I think the best big men uh, duos in school history. The one that I always think of first is Michael Wright and Lauren Woods. Um, Absolutely. This, I'm not going to say they're these these guys because those guys were just and that that whole team was just crazy. Um, but this is about if they're not that good, this is about as good as it comes when you're talking about when you're talking about a power forward and a center that play off of each other in the way in which they do. I think you're right on the offensive end. Yeah. Um, I might want a little bit more from Zoo on the defensive end. Um, and Ballo showed tonight that he, you know, blocking a couple of shots and stuff. Now, he's not the shot blocker that Coloco was last year. But they can play off of each other really well. We've seen some really good interior passing uh, from them, too. And that's a hallmark, again, of these Lloyd teams is they love to share the ball. Right. And if you have big men that like to pass, too, that's just going to make it that much easier. Um I'm trying to think of other big man combinations that would come to mind. I would say, oh man, whoever's I mean, matched got, up with you got to go Ryan Williams. I mean, you could look uh, Tom Tolbert, Anthony Cook. I mean, you you'd sure. have you have to go back a ways. Yeah, um, I think Brian Williams slash Bison Dele. He's always an underrated guy, no doubt, uh, in all of this stuff too. Want to talk about a freak athlete, right? Um, but we haven't had that recently, um, it, and it's just they they, they complement each other pretty well because Tabellus can step out and make a jump shot and right. we already talked about how well he used the angles on the low block and we talked about the footwork that Balo's already developed too uh there's there's not a lot of guys that that can match that I'm, of course like you said 2001 that's essentially a perfectly crafted starting Correct. five it's the best team in school you, you history yeah you can't have a better crafted starting five if you're gonna cherry pick you know skill sets for each individual player you're gonna end up coming with the, those exact guys from 2001 no doubt. Now, let's look ahead a little bit here. Tucson Skyline, Anthony Humber. There you go, my guy. Um, Tucson Skyline 2.0? 2.0, like, 0, I like it. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about now going in. You got Indiana coming up here, which is obviously going to be a massive game. You know, Indiana Indiana's a really, really good basketball team. They're a top 10 team in the country for a reason. Um, 
Mike Woodson has done a fantastic job there. And I thought, listen, generally when you get the older NBA guy that comes in, it generally doesn't work, but he's pressed all the right buttons. And like, uh, you know, Trace Jackson, one of the best bigs in the country going against Zoo, that's really going to be an interesting test for Zoo right there. Because keep in mind, he's been fantastic all year, but just still got a few of the memories of last year's NCAA tournament. I think he can really exercise some demons this coming Saturday. Yeah, and I know a lot of the criticism against Tabellus last year, a lot of it was right. You know, a lot of it he didn't didn't really show a lot. But also, I don't know if he ever really fully recovered from that high ankle sprain mm, that right. he had too. So um, I would love to see Tabellus really be able to take it to Jackson here. But again, we're looking at it where Indian has, what, one really solid big man? Right. They don't have two. Right. They don't have two. Right. I mean, Arizona is going to be able to run two guys out there all the time. Um, what's really going to be interesting, though, is if Arizona, with these two big men and their lack of depth, I think, on the interior, hopefully somebody like Tabellis or Balog does not get into major foul trouble because this is a matchup that I think with, with Vesar is just going to be too much too soon right. um, for him. So maybe you see a little bit more of Henderson playing the four uh, with that roster flexibility. So um, that'll, be, that'll be a great matchup. I'm looking forward to it. And that's why – you come to Arizona, you come to Arizona to play in games like this. And mm -hmm. I'm really happy that Lloyd is starting to schedule a lot more of these games too. He's kind of using that Gonzaga scheduling, even though he's at a high, high, high major now. For sure. hundred percent. All right. We're going to get to buy the numbers here in just a second, but game time, the official, uh, the best place to get last second tickets. Let's say that, let's say that Rob and his beautiful wife, they're saying, you know what? I'd like to go watch a, I don't know. I want to go watch a soccer game in Phoenix. That would be something that Rob would um, but you know, don't know where to find tickets or, you know what, want to be able to find them cheaper. That's where game time comes in. They can help Rob out and get those at 60% less. Many times we've had guys on the post game show talk about this. Now check it out. The show notes and the link in the description. Best way to support PHNX is by buying your tickets through the link in the description, but check it out game time right there. All right. Now let's get to, let's get to buy the numbers right here. All right. Okay, so, you know, you look at it and, it, and it feels like it was a sloppy game for Arizona, and you look at that three-point percentage. The thing that's still amazing, though, Rob, look at that right there. 49.2% from the field right there, and that's just something that seems to happen game in and game out for Arizona, and, you know, I think that's going to continue to happen. <laughs> when you're getting so many shots from your two big men three feet from the hoop, your shooting percentage should be pretty high. Um, so if it can hover anywhere around that, you know, 47 to 50 range, I think we're going right. to be okay. Um, the number though, that really stands out to me with watching that is the 20% shooting from behind the arc, especially when I think we had the stat from earlier, two of 40 something, right. or sorry, eight of 40 something from behind the arc. The last two, games. eight of 48, eight of 48. You're, you're a te you're a teacher, Rob. That's not a good percentage for your That's students. Not, I'm, I'm a history teacher. Uh, if I had somebody do that on a test, we would be doing retakes. <laughs> they would be doing that over again. Um, but the thing also that I look at is defensively for Arizona, 44% for Cal, that's creeping up a little bit higher than I want it to be, especially against a team that was over coming into this game. You kind of want something a little bit closer to that 40% or below. Uh, that's always the number that Olsen looked at when right. he was going through the box score, like, okay, what's the defense? What, 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 how did my defense play? If it's like 41, 42%, eh, I'd really like that to be a little bit lower around, you know, the high thirties. Um, luckily Arizona could get away with that tonight against a team that really was overmatched. For sure. hundred percent. 
All right, Rob, let's get our, you know, kind of our final thoughts here before you sign off. And by the way, Rob Lance has an open invitation for every post-game show whenever he can make it. Now, Rob is a busy man, but whenever you can make it, boss, you're on here. But I love it. Your- if the people will, if the people will have me back, I will be here. Oh, they will have it. L Boom speaks for everybody. This is because of you there, Rob. Appreciate you, there my guy. <laughs> now, let's talk uh, what, what are your just what are your final thoughts just on this team on this season right here? Um, I think that we're dealing with a team that's still a little bit in transition, still trying to fight, figure out exactly who they are. And we saw really good efforts in Hawaii. Um, and we saw a guy like Courtney Ramey come in with just, you know, a flurry of points right away. Uh, but, and this is something that Shu talked about, I think last year, I'm really see, interested to see how this team builds going forward because their style of play is so hard to prepare for, especially early on in the year. Right. Um, I'm wondering if they just start out like at this higher level than everybody else. And then slowly, but surely everybody else kind of starts to catch up to them uh, a little bit um, or more scouting gets out on them. I want to see how this team builds through the season. I want to see how Lloyd adjusts through the season. I want to see if we are dealing with just this eight man rotation too. um, And just the growth of the, the guys. But the one thing I can say is this team is incredible incredibly enjoyable to watch it's a this great program of, under it, Lloyd. It, yeah it's so entertaining it's it's not something that i dread watching anymore where it's like oh i have to sit through a 49 47 game right. uh sort of thing where it, it's just enjoyable it's fun it seems like the the atmosphere around the program is back to a really solid place and i mean right. i was out for a couple of years i'm right. back in i'm back in i'm back in the a you're back in the a i am <laughs> He's back in, back in the A. All right, Rob, everybody out there, really appreciate. uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow and love to be able to get Rob on next week for uh, Indiana. Big game coming up right there. Let's uh, let's see what the schedule looks like, and I'll uh, right. I'll see. We're heading into finals week with my kids, so I was gonna say I I totally I totally understand on that one, yeah. but I appreciate all the comments, Rob. You're the man. I'll talk to you soon. And for Rob Lance, I'm Mike Luke. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats post game show. Oh.